His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Shilprabhupada Ki, Anantakoti Vaishnava Brindi Ki, Igrantara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki, Nitai Gopremanandi. All glories assembled devotees, all glories assembled devotees, all glories assembled devotees. All glories Sri Guru, Sri Goranga. The water is cold. Narayanam Namaskritya Naramche Hey Narayanam Namaskritya Naramche Vanarotamam Devim Saraswatim Vyasam Tato Jayam Udirayat Narayanam Namaskritya Naramche Hey 
Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 7, Chapter 5, Chapter entitled Prahlad, the Saintly Son of Haranyakashipu, Text Number 53. Yata Vargam Guru Beer Atmane Upashikshitam Nasadu me ne touch chicksham. Dwandwara mo pavarnitam. Itatri vargam guru beer. Atmane upashikshitam. Nasatu mene touch chicksham. Dwandwara mopa varnitam. Yatatri vargam guru beer. Atmane upashikshitam. Nasatu me ne touch chicksham. Dwandwara mopa varnitam. Jesus. <laughs> 
As uh, Trivaragam, the three processes, religion, economic development, and sense gratification. Guru B of the teachers, Atmane unto himself, Prahlad Maharaj. Upashikshitam instructed na not satu really good mene he considered tat shiksham the education in that dwanda arama by persons taking pleasure in duality, <coughs> in material enmity and friendship. Upavaranitam, which is prescribed. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada. The teachers, Shanda and Amarka, instructed Prahlad Maharaj in the three kinds of material advancement called religion, economic development, and sense gratification. Prahlad, however, being situated above such instructions, did not like them. For such instructions are based on the duality of worldly affairs, which involve one in a materialistic way of life, marked by birth, death, old age, and disease. Translation responsibly. The teachers, Shanda and Amarka, instructed Prahlad Maharaj in the three kinds of material advancement <coughs> called religion, economic development, and sense gratification. Prahlad, however, being situated above such instructions, did not like them, for such instructions are based on the duality of worldly affairs, which involve one in a materialistic way of life, marked by birth, death, old age, and disease. <coughs> The entire world is interested in the materialistic way of life. Indeed, practically 99.9% .9 of the people in the, in the three worlds are interested, sorry, are, are uninterested in liberation or spiritual education. Only the devotees of the Lord, headed by such great personalities as Prahlad Maharaj and Narada Muni, are interested in the real education of spiritual life. One cannot understand the principles of religion while staying on the material platform. 
Therefore, one must follow these great personalities, as stated in Srimad Bhagavatam. 6.3.20 Swayamburu Narada Shambhu Kumara Kapilo Manu Pralado Janako Bhishmo Balia Vayasakya Vayam One must follow in the footsteps of such great personalities as Lord Brahma, Narada, Lord Shiva, Kapila Manu, the Kumaras, uh, Prahlad Maharaj, Bhishma, Janaka, Bali Maharaj, Shukadev Goswami, and Yamaraj. Those interested in spiritual life should follow Prahlad Maharaj. In rejecting the education of religion, economic development, and sense gratification, one should be interested in spiritual education. Therefore, the Krishna consciousness movement is spreading all over the world, following in the footsteps of Prahlad Maharaj, who did not like any of the materialistic education he received from his teachers. Omagyan Timbadandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurin Militam Jena Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha Shri Chaitanya Mano Bishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swa Badantikam Vansha Kaupaturubyascha Kripasindubi Evacha Patitanam Pavanebio Vaishnavebio Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nichananda Shri Advaita Kadata Shivasadi Gaura Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So Srimad Bhagavatam is, Prabhupada describes, is presented as a cultural conquest uh, to refocus spiritual life as the center of existence in the material world. Because at this point in time, uh, people have become materialistic. Prabhupada says in the purport that 99.9% of the population they're not so interested in spiritual things. Uh, so much so that here in the Bhagavatam, it mentions uh, people are just interested in the tree varga. Tree varga means the three goals of life. That's not, a, that's not even accurate, you know, because there is a fourth goal <laughs> in terms of the purushatas, in terms of the goals of human life. But here, uh, materialistic people, they're just interested in the three goals. Uh, Dharma, uh, Arta, and karma. So, uh, dharma these days has become materialistic. Why do people do dharma? Uh, so they get something in return. Prabhupada calls it a vanic mentality. Uh, vanic means it's just like going to the shop. You know, I give you $20, you give me a, a pair of clothes, you know, a pair of pants or something. That's just vanic. If I give you something, then you get something in return. And this is the mentality that a lot of people come to the temple for. They come to the temple, I'll give you something, I'll give something to Krishna, put something in the hundi, uh, but there's a motivation behind it. You know, it's, it's, it's vanik. In other words, what can I get from this? So that is materialistic religion. That is not Sanatana Dharma. 
Uh, we're not interested in that kind of dharma. We're interested in Sanatan dharma, uh, pure spiritual religion. Yato bhakti redhoksaji, or hoituki apratihata, yayatma supersiditi. That's the type of dharma that we're interested in. So then, uh, after dharma, you have mm, arta. Arta has become like the goal of life. Money is like God mm, for a lot of people. Money is religion for a lot of people. What's the goal of life? Uh, to leave a dead corpse, which is very rich. Uh, a a well-dressed uh, corpse. Uh, I made so much money, uh, but it doesn't mean anything. You can't take any of it with you. Uh, just like in China, for example, and many places in the world, we have terracotta armies. Uh, they built, they excavate them once in a while, archaeological finds. Uh, the, the emperors, uh, they bury themselves with a terracotta army, you know, soldiers, many, many soldiers made of clay, and they dig them up. You can go and see them in different places in China, and, you know, very interesting. But the, the concept is I'll take my army with me. Uh, to my next destination. Or I'll take, you know, the Egyptians used to do a similar thing and, you know, all these different ancient cultures, a similar thing. You can't take anything with you, that's the point. You came in with nothing, you're going with nothing, right? That's the, it's a foolish mentality, but the goal of life now, people think the goal is arta. Uh, as Donald Trump once said, he who dies with the most toys wins. This is not a very intelligent uh, philosophy. Uh, and that was before he was the president. <laughs> right? But that, then that's, that, that's his presidency. His presidency is make America great again. There's a good chance they're saying that he may uh, become the president again next year. Right? But uh, what's the point? It's all just based on economics. Uh, that's not the goal of life. Uh, so we have Dharma, we have Arta, and then you have Karma. That's like the third goal, the Trivaga, the third goal of life. Right? I pray to whoever it is I pray to so I can get sense gratification. I make money so I can get sense gratification. And that's practically the goal of life. Right? And the, the Vedas say this is dvipada pashu. Right? You're no better than a polished animal. Oh. The animals, they eat, they sleep, they mate, they defend, and then the human beings think, oh, that's the goal of life. Uh, but they don't even do it in a regulated way. At least the animals are regulated in the way they do it. Uh, but the humans, they're unregulated. Uh, so not even as good. Uh, just like a polished animal. So this is the goal of life. Uh, the tree varga. Doesn't even mention moksha, which is the fourth goal of life. Uh, what is moksha? Uh, moksha means, I'm sick of everything. Let me go to the forest. Uh, which is what a lot of people do. I get sick of it all. It's too much for me now. That's why most people take the spiritual life. Because uh, they're burnt out in the material world. So that's why most of us took the spiritual life. Because we're burnt out in the material world. So then, okay, let's, let's try something different. Uh, let's go for some moksha. Uh, I just want liberation. I just want peace. I just want to get rid of all of this suffering in this material world. Uh, but that's not even mentioned here. Now, most people aren't even interested in that, but occasionally you get someone who, who wants moksha. But then we're interested in the, the fifth purushata. What is number five? Uh, prima, pumarta, mahan. Uh, the great goal 
of life. Uh, that's the great goal. Uh, how do you get it though? Uh, we've all been doing this for years and we still haven't got it. How do you get it? Uh, you have to become unmotivated and uninterrupted in your bhakti. Then you will get prema. Prema is attainable, but uh, Rupa Goswami says your bhakti has to become intense. Right? Intense devotional service. You won't get it if you're haphazard or lackadaisical or if you're casual in your bhakti. Oh, I come to the temple uh, and I see the deities, I have some nice prasad uh, and I warm my hands on the fire. Uh, just like when there's a fire and you just put your hands on the fire and just warm yourself, it's nice and then I go. You can do that. But Bahu, Jammakadiyari, Shravanik, it could take lifetimes doing it that way. Uh, you can do it in one lifetime. And Bhakti Sananta Saraswati Thakur expected all of us to go back home in one lifetime, back to Godhead. Uh, but you have to become intense in your devotional service. How do you become intense? Uh, you have to take up responsibility. Uh, you have to be responsible for something to keep the Krishna consciousness movement going. That's when you really make progress. One of Prabhupada's disciples, they told me years ago, they said, you, if you want to make real advancement, you have to take up responsibility in the Krishna consciousness movement. Uh, be responsible to make sure it keeps going. Uh, that's when you really, that's when it gets intense and that's when you get purified and that's when you make real advancement. And then you can attain prema. It's, it's, it's possible. You have to burn everything up. Don't just stand on the edge of the fire and just warm your hands. Uh, actually jump in the fire. Uh, and then your false ego will be burnt up. Prabhupada said the false ego can evaporate. Uh, it will gradually be destroyed by the fire of devotional service. It has to become intense. So that's the fifth goal of life. Uh, but here in this verse, we're only hearing about the first three. Uh, people are so materialistic, they're not even interested. Haranyakashipu is only interested in the first three. Uh, Donald Trump is only interested in the first three. Uh, that's, that's what people are interested in now. Uh, so, uh, the importance of education is given. Uh, Prabhupada said, ISKCON is an educational movement. It's for spiritual education, that's the point. Prabhupada said the, the temples should become educational centers. It's a place you come to learn about Krishna. Uh, so much so that <coughs> Prabhupada said one time that if uh, the devotees in the temple just do deity worship but they don't preach, he said they will end up smoking ganja. Hmm? Prabhupada said that. Right? Just doing deity worship. Hmm? No. You have to preach as well. <laughs> Otherwise you'll end up smoking ganja. Uh, I don't know if that would happen to me. I don't think I would go that far. <laughs> but Prabhupada warned us. Uh, you have to have a preaching spirit. That's the whole point. Why do we dress the deity so beautifully? You know, like in, in the Melbourne temple, it's one of the highest standards of deity worship on the planet. Right? Very Why do we dress the deities beautifully? It's preaching. Right? It's to attract people to Krishna. Uh, Actually, I was listening when um, our Shiksha Guru, uh, Pankajangari Prabhu, you know, he passed away 
the last last few years. Uh, and I was listening to you know his uh, instructions that he gave before he left, and <coughs> and he was pointing out that when Prabhupada came, like early 70s, and ISKCON began to become uh, established within India. Uh, he was saying before that, you go to most temples in India, they didn't even put uh, flower garlands on the deities. You know, prior to ISKCON becoming more established in the 1970s. You know, they just put like a uh, paper or plastic or whatever it was, you know, just like some symbolic thing, you know, some garland, which, you know, maybe they dust it off once a week or something, or I don't know. You know, so it, it, the, the system was not there. Uh, so then, you know, Prabhupada came and he established actual deity worship uh, where you make fresh garlands for the deities, you know, once a day or several times a day. That's the actual standard of deity worship. <coughs> and uh, Pankajangri Prabhu, he was saying that in Mayapur, which is our, you know, world headquarters, he said it takes 100 devotees to worship the deities. 100 devotees every day to worship the deities because they make their own clothing. They sew their own sets for the deities. You know, if you go upstairs behind Panchatattva's altar, there's a whole uh, department where they, they sew. Uh, they grow their own flowers, right? So they're growing their own flowers and then picking them all and then making all the garlands. Imagine making garlands for you know, Ashtasaki. You know, there's eight Didi plus Radha Madhava plus the Choda Didis, plus the Panchatattva. You're right, and we haven't even opened the big temple yet. You know, in the big temple, then you're going to have Guru Parampara, 32 members of Guru, Guru Parampara, right? Everyone needs garlands every day, right? So they have to grow the flowers, pick the flowers, make the garlands every day, cook for everyone. Everyone's pretty hungry. <laughs> you know, they all eat a lot. Right, so Devo is just cooking all the time and the paraphernalia services and the actual pujaris who do the artists, a hundred people every day just to look after the, the deities. <coughs> so this is actual deity worship Prabhupada established, uh, this system. So many pastimes there, so many leelas in Mayapur with the, the deities. And then they were given the Jagannath temple uh, in Rajpur, uh, down the, the road there. Uh, that's a very, very special temple. If you spend time there, very special place. It's one of my favorite places. Uh, so down at the, uh, the Rajpur temple, you know, when they first got that temple, they started to worship Jagannath. The devotees started cooking and doing uh, different uh, services. And then Jaipataka Swami heard, and he said, no, stop. He said, we haven't even signed the contract yet. You know, we haven't even received the land. It's not official yet. Stop the, the worship. But they'd already started doing something, making some offerings. And so then, in the middle of the night, the Pujari had a dream, and Jagannath was walking across the field. He was leaving the temple. And Pujari said, uh, Jagannath, where are you going? He said, I'm going over to eat with Radha Madhava. He said, you stopped feeding me. So he, Jagannath was off walking across the, the paddock you know, to go and eat with... Uh, Radha Madhava. So then in the morning, the Pujari told Jaipataka Swami, he said, I had this dream. And then Mara said, okay, start the, the worship now uh, and maintain it. No. So that is the, the standard of deity worship. 
Right. It has to be an actual standard of deity worship. Uh, that when we come to the temple, the temple is for preaching. Uh, so that's what the deity worship it is for. It is to attract people to Krishna. We should be attracted. Uh, and this is one of the most attractive. I mean, we have the most beautiful deities in the universe, practically speaking. Yeah, who knows who comes here to visit? Uh, Srila Prabhupada said, if you've been to uh, London, uh, Radha in Soho Street in, in London, they were Prabhupada's favorite deities. Uh, London Ishwar. Uh, has anyone seen them? Around uh, London Ishwar. So it's worth going for a pilgrimage. Uh, go to Soho Street just to see, because these are Prabhupada's favorite deities. And uh, there's simasans on the altar, even to this day, little, little simasans. Uh, and Prabhupada said, who was it? Was it Shiva and Brahma? Shiva and Brahma or Narada? I can't remember. There's two little simasans. Prabhupada said, they come for the artis. Uh, so we don't know who comes here to see the most, you know, we have such beautiful deities. Uh, we don't know who comes. Uh, maybe devotees come to see the artis and to see the deity worship, so beautiful. <coughs> so Prabhupada said that the temple, uh, it should be an educational center. It shouldn't just be, just be for deity worship. There has to be education. And we're also fortunate you know, because we're in a temple that is in the top 1% in ISKCON, you know, over 700 temples in ISKCON around the world, and we're in the top 1% in terms of education, what, what is being offered to the devotees, high standards. One devotee was telling me yesterday, actually, uh, just even the morning Bhagavatam classes, which are online, you know, it's, one devotee was saying to me, he's saying, a oh, very high standard of classes, very high standard of classes. You know, this is, this is the way it should be. It should be an educational center uh, where people come and they learn the science of the absolute truth. Uh, and they realize the goal of life is not dharma, it's not arta, it's not karma. Those things are necessary. We need those things to exist in this world. But they're not the goal of life. Even moksha is not the goal. Right? To become liberated, that's not the goal of life. Right? That's something a devotee receives uh, on top of bhakti. But the goal of life is prema. So if we have a good education system, everyone will stay on track. That's why Prabhupada said you have to hear the Bhagavatam every day to remind yourself what the goal is. Otherwise, you'll forget what the goal is. You'll think the goal is economic development. And you'll grow a mustache and you'll go and get a, a job and you'll, you'll start making money, right? And then you'll come around on Janmashtami with your three kids and then you'll... Uh, that'll be your goal of your life. That is not the goal. Uh, Maya is powerful. She can take anyone, <laughs> anytime. Uh, so you have to understand. That's why you have to hear. Nicham Bhagavata Sevaya. You have to hear every day to remind yourself, no, the goal of life is Krishna Prem. Everything else is secondary. <coughs> we need to stay focused. So then, Prabhupada quotes in the... Uh, in the purport from the sixth canto, he says there are 12 Mahajanas, right? So they're famous personalities, right? We have uh, Brahma, Narada, Shiva, Kapila, Manu, the Kumaras, uh, Prahlad himself, Bhishma, Janaka, Bali, Shukadev, and Yamaraj, right? 12 Mahajanas. So of the 12, who is considered the most exalted? 
of the 12 personalities. What's that? Brahma. Brahma is first. Because he's the oldest. He's the, he's the first one here. He came first. Uh, but who's considered in consciousness? Who's considered the most exalted of the twelve? Uh, that is Shukadev and Goswami. Shukadev is considered. That's why when he walked in and uh, Narada was there and Vyasadev was there sitting at uh, when Parikshit was preparing to leave. <coughs> I mean, Narada is, if you go through the Bhagavatam, he's the main speaker in the Bhagavatam. Or if you go through the Bhagavatam, he's the guru of most, nearly everyone in the Bhagavatam. You know, Yudhishthira, uh, uh, who's that? Yeah, Dhruv, Prahlad, uh, Yudhishthira, later on. Right? It's practically, mo most of the Bhagavatam is Narada, Narada in instructing. Right? So principal guru, not just principal guru, but guru of his father's guru, uh, guru of his father. Father is Vyas, who wrote everything. <laughs> he wrote the whole Vedic literature. That's his father. <coughs> but when he walks in, everyone stands up. Uh, Narada and uh, Vyas don't stand, but they defer to him, they say, you, you sit on the, the Simhasan, you sit on the Vyasasan, right? you speak, right? considered the most exalted of all the people. Now, why is he the most exalted? Uh, because we have to look at who these personalities are in their previous uh, existence. Who is Shukadev? Right? He's the parrot uh, who was in the pastimes of Rata and Krishna. Sending messages back and forth in Vrindavan. Right? I was speaking to a devotee yesterday about this as well. You know, looking so forward to going to live in a place uh, where there's no mobile reception, uh, where there's no 5G, uh, and we don't have to carry these devices with us continuously. Uh, I'm so looking forward to that. I'm so over this whole the way society's become. Right? We're trapped in it like that. Yeah, we need this with us all the time now. You know, why? <laughs> because it's a preaching tool, a mechanism. I can sit there on my phone, right, and I can reach out to hundreds of people all around and attract them to come to different events that we run and different projects that we run. It's such a powerful tool, but it's so artificial and draining and dissatisfying. I, I really don't like it, really don't appreciate it. <coughs> So, they also have uh, communication systems uh, in the spiritual world, uh, but it's all parrots. Right? They say to the parrot, is that the noise they make? Or? You know what I mean anyway. Right? I don't even know what a parrot. Yeah, I think they're a little bit more uh, high-pitched, but... You know, my, my throat were not ena enabling me to get there, but they make, you know, they make their noises. They're a little chit chit like that. We have parrots actually at the farm. Uh, king parrots and rosellas, they come every morning. Uh, my wife feeds them, and then she didn't feed them yesterday, she ran out of seed, so they started ripping all the plants apart. <coughs> yeah, disturbing little. The king parrots are super intelligent. 
you know, one time we didn't feed them, so they, they flew around the corner of the house, uh, plucked a tomato off the, uh, the, brand, off the, the vine, flew back around to the front door and dropped it on the front mat. They're super intelligent, these birds. They're not like, they're kind of like human-like intelligence. You don't feed them, they, they know what they're doing, they cause trouble. Even, the, even a couple of months ago, they came in the bathroom in the morning, they were brushing our teeth and everything, and, uh, you know, flew into the bathroom and just sitting there on the door, just like looking at us, and the, you know, on the cupboard in the bathroom, just sitting on the, just looking at us. When are you going to feed us? And I said, I'm not going to feed you. Like that. So then they fly out, you know, break some of the plants and then fly off and... <coughs> yeah, it's hilarious, isn't it? Yeah. This is what I go through on a daily basis, psychological warfare from... Yeah. By the time I get here to Melbourne, I'm exhausted. I've been attacked by... Even when we ride the bike, like from uh, our house across to the temple, sometimes they fly next to you. you know, and, they get out, and when you get to the temple, they're like, okay, where's the food? Well, what are you going to do? <laughs> you're going to assist us, help us. So previously, uh, Brinda Devi... Uh, you know Brinda Devi? Brinda Devi is Tulsi Devi. Every day we worship Tulsi. Right? It's part of the bhakti tradition, bhakti culture. Uh, very interesting personality, Brinda Devi. She's, one, she's a gopi in the spiritual world, Brinda Devi. And Brindavan, we say Brindavan, Vana means forest. The whole forest of Brindavan is, is named after Brinda Devi. That's how exalted she is in the spiritual. The whole spiritual world is named after her, Brinda Devi. <coughs> Brindavan. So then, one time, there's an, a nice pastime where Radha and Krishna, they say, Brinda Devi does so much service for us. What is her service in the spiritual world? Uh, she is the art director. Just like if you have a theatre company, then you have an art director, someone who decorates the sets, makes everything nice. Right? And then you have the director, that's Pornamasi, that's uh, Yogamaya. She's the director. She directs the pastimes. And Brenda Davies, the, the set director, the art director. She makes everything look beautiful. So she chooses every day what color flowers will bloom in the different groves and deers will arrive and parrots and monkeys and different things. She decorates everything. She's in charge of all that. <coughs> so she does such nice service for Radha and Krishna that uh, Radha and Krishna said, we need to do something for her. We need to give her a gift. So then Radha said to Krishna, and Brinda Devi was there, he said, please, give her a benediction. And Krishna thought to himself very carefully. And then Krishna said, wherever I go, whenever I expand myself into different forms, different deities and different forms, then I will make an injunction in the Shastra that, for example, the Shalagram Shila, whenever the Shalagram is worshipped, or any deity uh, of, the, of the Lord, the offering will not be accepted unless there is Tulsi on the, on the offering. Like here, we, you know, we never offer anything without Tulsi, although it's not accepted. So therefore, uh, she will take, I will, I will expand myself as Narayan, and go in so many different forms, Shalagram Shilas and Deities and so forth. And wherever I go, Brinda Devi will have the benediction that she will take the form of Tulsi in this world of men, in 
in the in the world of humans, and wherever uh, Narada will write in the Narada Bhakti Sutra that wherever Krishna is worshipped, Tulsi has to be there. So that was the benediction she was given. Uh, so that's Brinda Devi. Right? She's extremely exalted, right? extremely special, and we worship her every day. Right? We do Tulsi Puja twice a day here, and you know, it's very important to worship Tulsi. Uh, she can nullify your offenses. You know, she's such a. And when you develop a relationship with her through the practice of your devotional service, she's one of the main inspirations and purifiers. Right? <coughs> it says in the uh, the Chaitanya Charitamrita that Haridas Thakur every day he would chant 192 rounds, and it said he would chant in front of Tulsi. And Prabhupada says that if you chant in front of Tulsi Devi. Uh, your chanting becomes thousands of times more powerful, more potent. That's why she's so. I remember years ago in my Guru Maharaj, when he, was, he came to visit Melbourne, and then in the morning, he, at that point in time, he was chanting privately. So he, after Mongolia, he went upstairs to chant his japa. And then uh, he said to us, he said, bring, bring Tulsi Devi. Uh, so we took a Tulsi plan up there for him, you know, because he knew that if we chant, and the last time I saw him actually in uh, Oxford, uh, I was chanting with him in his little bhajan kutir, which is probably just a small room. But in the corner he had a huge Tulsi plant. He had life-size Prabhupada Murti, his uh, deities of Gornitai, who are now in uh, Govardhan, and a uh, huge, huge Tulsi plant in the corner. And that was his bhajan kutir. <laughs> So every morning he would go and chant there, and then you know, he let me chant there with him for a few days. <coughs> so that's the potency of Brinda Devi. So in the spiritual world, Brinda Devi, uh, she is in charge of the communication system. She has one lakh of parrots, 100,000 parrots, and they all go around Brindavan continuously saying, Radha, Krishna coming, get everything ready. Krishna and Balarama are coming, the cowherd boys are coming, the gobis are coming. Right? They, that's how they communicate. Uh, you don't need a mobile phone. Uh, wouldn't it be nice if we could just use parrots? Uh, parrots would come. Uh, we need another bucket of sabji at crossways. Uh, and then the, the parrot takes off, flies into the city, goes down Swanson Street, goes in, lands in, says... You know, gets, gives us the, the message and then passes and then goes back. So who is Shukadev Goswami? So Shukadev Goswami is the head of all of those, those parrots, right? Uh, the personal parrot between Radha and Krishna. So Shukadev had the most exalted realizations. That's why uh, out of all the 12 Mahajanas, he is considered the most exalted and that's why he spoke the Bhagavatam itself. And actually, uh, because he is so exalted and, <coughs> and <coughs> the Bhagavatam is so elevated, it says in Brihad Bhagavatam Rita that he didn't directly mention Radharani's name in the Bhagavatam. Uh, you see in Bhagavatam, her name is not directly mentioned. It, it, it refers to her or infers. But it says that if he had have directly mentioned her name, he would have gone into a trance, and then he couldn't have finished the Bhagavatam. You know, and then we wouldn't have had Canto 11 and Canto 12, which would have been difficult. 
So therefore, uh, Sugadeva is considered the most exalted of all the uh, personalities. So uh, it says here there are 12 Mahajanas, uh, exalted, exalted persons. Brahma, and we have Brahma Samhita, uh, from Lord Brahma, and you know, he also speaks in Bhagavatam. Narada, who is so prominent, he's, he's the main guru practically. Shambhu, Shambhu means Lord Shiva, right? He's also in the Bhagavatam. There are instructions from uh, Lord Shiva. The Kumaras and Kapila and Manu, right? these are very exalted personalities, amazing instructions from all these personalities. Prahlad, Janaka, and Bhishma, right? Chapter 10 of the first canto, Bhishma speaks. Right? And if you go to the Mahabharata, there's many instructions from Bhishma, very powerful instructions. And then there is uh, Bali Maharaj and Yamaraj. Right? And then the most exalted is Shukadev. Uh, so we, we take his instructions as being the most exalted, the Srimad Bhagavatam. Srimad Bhagavatam, Puranam, Amalam, Yad Vaishnavanam, Priyam. Right? It is the, the topmost scripture of all the scriptures. The, but there's no other scripture which has been uh, commented on. Right? No Vedic literature like the Bhagavatam. Yeah, when Prabhupada, in the early hours of the morning when he was translating Bhagavatam, and he had a book, and in that book there was like 12 commentaries, 12 or 14 con commentaries. <coughs> you won't find that with the other Puranas. You know, Padma Purana, Vishnu Purana, they have a couple of commentaries maybe. Most of the Puranas don't even have commentaries, but Bhagavatam has many, many commentaries, which shows that it's the most uh, exalted of all the Shastras. So Prabhupada said we have to study mm, on a daily basis. Uh, read Prabhupada's books. Uh, make it your life to read Prabhupada's books. Uh, otherwise, Prabhupada says, it just becomes, we'll all smoke ganja. Right? I don't want to smoke ganja, so that's why I read Prabhupada's books. Right? We have to study on a regular basis. And that keeps, our, keeps us on track, keeps us focused. Because Maya is very powerful. Maya tries to throw us off track all the time. <coughs> and I've noticed over the years, because you know, when you become a Hare Krishna devotee, you also become a counsellor. Right? They don't tell us that when we join, but that's what happens. You move in and suddenly you're a counsellor. People come to you all the time. Oh, I need this advice. I need this advice. Ah, yeah, I have these problems. Ah. So this is just part of our life. You know, we have to counsel others. We have to counsel devotees. So uh, one thing I've noticed over the years is when we're counseling the devotees and they're telling us their problems, first thing, I always ask them, are you reading Prabhupada's books? And I find the devotees who don't read Prabhupada's books rentally, uh, regularly, they get on the mental platform. Right? Their minds give them a lot of problems. If you read Prabhupada's books on a regular basis, your mind won't give you so many problems. It's a, it's a fact. Right? Because the intelligence, Krishna discusses this in the third chapter of Bhagavad Gita, the intelligence becomes strong. And when your intelligence is strong, you don't become so disturbed by your mind. But if you don't read Prabhupada's books, then you start listening to the mind, and then what happens? Uh, the mind can be the best friend or the worst enemy. Uh, can be a good, it can be a good guru, a good friend, but it can also be the opposite as well. The mind can give you a lot of problems. Anyone here know what I'm talking about tonight? Anyone, anyone? <laughs> the mind can give you a lot of problems. 
But if you're reading Prabhupada's books, not, not so much. Because uh, Prabhupada's books, they keep you focused on what is the goal. Uh, you don't take the mind so seriously. The mind tells you crazy things. The mind is crazy. Uh, the mind will tell you the most crazy things. Uh, eat four liters of chocolate ice cream now for breakfast. Uh, that's what your mind tells you. And then your intelligence says, ah, but that may affect my service today. <laughs> so better I don't do that. Maybe I'll just have a little kitchery instead. Uh, but the mind will tell you crazy things. Uh, so don't listen to your mind. Listen to Prabhupada's books. Prabhupada said, hey, have kitchery for breakfast, not chocolate ice cream. Once, once a year or something, you can have chocolate ice cream. It's okay. But... Sorry, not chocolate. Carob. Carob. Did I say chocolate? I said carob. Ice cream. This is being recorded, right? Okay, I said carob, carob. Uh, I was a little bit sick, so sometimes my mind, I don't know. Okay, so any questions or comments? Anything we discussed? Do we have a microphone? Or? Yeah, just a minute. <coughs> Hare Krishna Prabhuji, thank you for the nice class. Prabhuji, you mentioned that we should intense our bhakti if we want to go back home, back to Godhead in this lifetime only. Yeah. And yes. for that we have to take responsibilities. Yes. Um, so I wanted to ask as kids, what, what responsibilities can we take to make Krishna happy? Because we see most of the time in the temple, we're not allowed to do most of the things. Hmm. So That's because you're a kid. <laughs> That's why you're not allowed to do most of the things, because you're just a... You, yeah, true, you can do it at home. Yeah, it, mean, it means you have to earn your stripes. You're just a kid, that's all. So if you stick to your devotional service, then when you become an adult, when you're 18, then you can do all the things that we can do as well. So you don't have to take up all the responsibilities because uh, you're just a kid. So you can just enjoy yourself. You can just come to the temple, you can listen to class, you can do some kirtan, you can take some prasad, and you can associate with the other kids. Right? And then when you're 18, then we will begin to give you responsibilities. Uh, but you don't want the responsibilities yet because they're a headache. Uh, you don't want a headache yet. You're just a kid. Just enjoy yourself. Hmm. But then later on, yeah, you have to, it's, it's a good point. When you're, when you're older, then you have to take responsibilities because you have to keep the movement, the Hare Krishna movement going. So, you know, there's plenty of time for that. So just enjoy your life. We'll take the responsibilities now and we'll take the, the headaches. And then later on, when you're bigger, then we'll give it to you. And then you can do it. But you don't have to worry about that now. You're making advancement now. Like that. The main way you make advancement now is you follow what the adults say. Uh, what do the adults say? Uh, whatever instructions we give you, then you follow that. Right? And then that's how you get purified. Uh, and then later on, then you can become. Is it okay? Thank you. Okay, please come again. Okay. Any other questions? Learning to follow is probably the biggest lesson that we can learn as a as a junior, right? Not that oh, I can't. I want to be up front. Look at me, right? 
we've got to be careful about and and you know we can chant right we can hear so where's the question of not being allowed to do anything mm. it's just that we shouldn't be taking positions of prominence when we're not actually qualified for it we might think we're qualified mm. but we have to sometimes mm. eat humble pie mm. it's a bittersweet but it's very healthy for us yeah yeah that uh there's that nice pastime where the scholar he came to visit bhakti sananta saraswati thakur and he said to bhakti sananta saraswati thakur he said i have deep deep questions deep philosophical questions i need answered and Bhakti Sandhya said, I will answer your questions, but first we would like you to please wash the pots. Or well, I think it might have been polish the paraphernalia, or something like that. He said, please, please go and do that. He said, oh no, I have, you know, I'm a, I have, you know he's a scholar, so he's very, he's proud, and he had some position. And, and then he said, oh no, I have very deep questions. And Mara said, that's okay, I'll answer them, but you just go, go and do this service. So he went and did the service, and then we know the story. He came back, and Bhakti Santa Saraswati Thakur said, "So, what is the, what are your questions?" He said, "Well, actually, when I was doing the service, I got realization. Teisham satata yuktanam bhajatam priti purvakam dadami buddhi yogantam." Krishna says, "I will give you uh, the instructions within your heart, the intelligence." He said, "Now I understand. I don't need to ask the questions." Uh, so that's the, the point. The point of that pastime is <coughs> we have to do menial service first. We have to clean the toilets uh, and we have to uh, wash the pots and do the paraphernalia. Then you'll get realizations. You'll be humble, you'll be qualified, and then you'll understand the philosophy. But if you have no service attitude, you won't understand. Uh, some, some devotees don't have a service attitude. No. They just like to come and try to be prominent, but you know, we need a service attitude. Well, that's how we advance. Like Indra Swami, right? He's very exalted. Imara is very advanced, very pure. So, uh, one devotee was telling me, like on that, you know, he does that Polish tour. And then every year they do, well, a lot of, many years they do Woodstock. It's a big rock concert. And they set up like a Hare Krishna tent, like city. And then, Devotees like serve, it's like non-stop service for days, three or four days. So then at the end of the, uh, the day, everyone's so tired, all the devotees are just being doing like 20 hours of service. So then everyone goes to take rest and do everything. And then Maharaj walks around the whole site and picks up all the rubbish. Yeah, you because know, he knows the devotees are exhausted, they need to take rest. And, you know, and I was thinking, that's very striking for me. You know, Maharaj is so advanced and such a prominent leader, but when he sees there's service needs to be done, he goes and does it. Right? And that, that's how you advance in Krishna consciousness. That's why he has so many realizations about Krishna. So we have to be humble. So you have to clean the toilets and pick up the rubbish. And then we'll let you lead Mongolati when you're 18. Okay. Any other questions? Okay. Shila Prabhupaki. Go on, go.